Blog Talk Radio. Hello and happy Friday to everyone out there today. Thank you for joining Vondren Legal Hour. Attorney Steve Vondren here, licensed practice law in California and Arizona. We are talking today about subrogation waivers. The following is general legal information only and not legal advice or substitute for legal advice. Firms licensed practice law in California and Arizona. Okay, let's talk about subrogation waivers. What is a subrogation waiver? In order to even understand what subrogation waiver is, I guess you have to understand the principle of subrogation itself. Subrogation, in short, is basically where an insurance carrier gets to stand in the shoes of a party that was damaged and go recover damages on behalf, basically, after they pay out the person who suffered the loss to go re- recover on the loss. And let's give you a quick example. Say you have a house and your house burns down due to a toaster fire. Your homeowner insurance is going to cover your policy, it's going to pay you for your damage, and you are then going to, your case would be closed out, but your insurance carrier would then stand in your shoes and be able to assert any claim that the homeowner has against any third parties and go after them to recover the amounts that they paid the homeowner. So a lot of people don't understand that that's the right the insurance carrier have if there's other parties at fault. It's basically the right of the carrier to be made whole where there's other parties that cause the injury or the damages. The blame should fall on the party that caused the problem. So say, for example, you find out in your home fire that it was a defective toaster or water furnace that exploded, those kinds of things. You may look at at a product's liability case against these companies, okay? So that's a basic of subrogation. It's that ability of the carrier to go in and recover profits from a tortfeasor party that committed the wrong. Um, So let's talk about subrogation waivers. Um, Basically, a waiver is a form of a contractual limitation on liability in a subrogation waiver context, the best thing I can do is probably give you an example. Say these pop up often in commercial leases. They also pop up in general contractor, contractor situations. So say a uh, owner of property wanted to build a building. So he hires a general contractor to oversee the project. The general contractor then goes and hires a bunch of subcontractors, you know, the plumber, um, landscaping, you know, electrical, all sorts of different subcontractors, roofing, you know, so forth and so on, to come in and do different parts of the project, okay? Um, so the general contractor may insist on a subrogation waiver in their contracts with the general contractors. And let's think about that. So if you're a general contractor and you want the job, you say, well, yeah, I want the job. I got my team ready to go out there, and the general says, um, sign here. There's a subrogation waiver in here, um, and uh, go to work. Good luck. So let's say you have a company that goes out, and they're doing, um, they're putting in plumbing, and somebody, an employee for the general contractor, drops a 25-pound brick on one of the plumber's heads and causes serious damage, so forth and so on. In a case like that, being that it was the subcontractor's employee, the subcontractor's employee would seek workers' compensation, insurance recovery, and go to doctors and seek treatment and and all those kinds of things. The subcontractor who would have workers' comp insurance, 
the workers' comp insurance company would pay the claim. Um, usually this is done through, an, through attorneys, but basically the, um, if, if the injured employee ends up getting an attorney and this and that, they eventually settle the claim, okay, and then the workers' comp will pay the injured worker. Now, the workers' comp insurance carrier would say to itself, wait a second, we just paid the claim here, but we had nothing to do with this. We didn't cause the loss. Who caused the loss? The general contractor and the negligence of the general contractor's employees. So why don't we go after them because they're the, the tortfeasor here. They're the party that's culpable or negligent. So you may want to do that. However, the insurance carrier for the general contractor would probably produce the agreement that says, hey, here's a subrogation waiver. They, your client signed away all rights to any subrogation, so we know you want to stand in the shoes, but you can't stand in the shoes. It's waived. Have a nice day. Um, that's based, the basic situation in a subrogation waiver, and it happens in various different types of insurance contacts. But as you can see in this case, the net result would be that the, the workers' comp carrier would be out the money, the 50000 to the injured employee, um, that may affect the premiums of the subcontractor. And the general contractor, who was a liable party, basically walks out scot-free. So you can see how a subrogation waiver can be used to shift the loss. Um, and, and for a lot of carriers, this can result in you see the subrogation waiver and you say, well, case over, subrogation waiver, darn it. Nothing we can do. We can't go after the wrongdoer here. But this blog is also about maybe potential circumstances where you might be able to assert some claims for recklessness, gross recklessness, um, gross negligence, uh, th that type of conduct to basically try to bust or break the subrogation waiver. And so we talked a little bit on our blog. If you want to go to our website at askattorneysteve.com, go to our litigation blog, you can read about this. But we talk about California Civil Code Section 1668, California Civil Code Section 1668, which states, all contracts which have for their object, directly or indirectly, to exempt anyone from responsibility for his own fraud or willful, willful injury to the person or property of another or violation of law, whether willful or negligent, are against the policy of the law. So it talks about, we have this code section in California, Civil Code 1668, which talks about basically disclaiming your liability. Um, but it talk, and there's court cases that, you know, that, that talk about, uh, um, you know, the courts will uphold these subrogation waivers. It's two parties to a contract free, freely negotiating, freely agreeing um, on what the terms are going to be. But the first point being in looking at can you do something about these subrogation waivers or are they just valid and you have to close your books as a carrier um, is the plain language of the, of the clause. You need to take a close look at the language of the, of the clause. And as we, we discussed on our website at our blog, askattorneysteve.com, you can see where it, we talk about if it's not clear and ambiguous, unambiguous I should say, you don't want it to be ambiguous, Clear, clear. If it's clear and unambiguous, then then you're, you, it's probably going to be upheld. If it's un, if it's ambiguous, I don't know why I'm confusing these terms today. 
If it's ambiguous and it, the language used is not clear or explicit or comprehensible as to the essential details, then you may have an argument that the subrogation waiver is not valid, that the carrier would thus be allowed to move forward against the tortfeasor. So that's one thing you want to look at. We also talk a little bit about gross negligence under California law, and there is some case law that talks about um, failure to, to exercise even a scant amount of ordinary care or an extreme departure from the ordinary standard of conduct by wanton, reckless, misconduct, willful and wanton negligence, those kinds of things. So those are facts that you want to look for. And again, courts are not courts are very reluctant, I should say, to to break uh, a contract, something that you know parties have voluntarily bargained for. Uh, it's a freedom of contract principle. But if you have circumstances where it's just gross and extreme, willful, wanton conduct, there's you know absolutely no reasonable care, and it almost rises to the point of like an intentional type of act, intentional wrongdoing, something that really exceeds normal bounds, you need to take a close look at the facts. You probably want to engage subrogation counsel to take a look at that case and see if there are any arguments that can be made. Um, I don't believe it's wise to just always read a contract and say, well, it's a contract, four corners of the contract, it's, it's a done deal. Um, usually you need to take a closer look, especially where you have some egregious facts that really raise some eyebrows and you can get a judge to take a look at possibly busting the subrogation waiver and moving forward with your recovery efforts. So that's about it. I just wanted this to, uh, to uh, air the issue and put it out there, but um, we appreciate you listening. Thank you on a Friday. We hope you have a great weekend. As always, feel free to share our podcasts on your social media networks. If you have any more information, questions about our insurance subrogation services, you can check us out on the web at askattorneysteve.com. Askattorneysteve.com, that'll get you there. Other than that, we look forward to seeing you again, and make sure you bookmark our show, and have yourself a great weekend. Attorney Steve out. Thank you now.